Hello again, and welcome to Killing the Great White Male. This is the final episode of my conversation with Katrina Albrecht on the book Pleasure Activism by Adrienne Marie Brown. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, this conclusion is a whole lot of fun also, so uh, hang in there with it. Um, last time we left off with Katrina mentioning that that that, that magical relationship that, that we have with the earth, the, the viewing of, uh, of bits of, of the earth as divine or magical or just incredible entities. Uh, uh, we left off with her mentioning that that gets beat out of us pretty quickly in, in, in the U S society. And, and I'm also, I, I see that on one hand and I also look with admiration toward places like Ecuador where where they have a river that is prote- protected as a person under the the constitution of of the nation and and I think how interest not interesting I have a lot of judgments it's not interesting it pisses me off that instead of that kind of approach in this country uh, we protect businesses that way which I guess there you go that's what you get from from this culture even Canada, who is who has a lot of the same DNA as as the U.S., um, has now uh, just recently there was the adoption of of a, of a river in Canada as a, a legal entity, as a person under the law, with all the rights and and privileges. Um, and I'm just struck by how corrupt our system is around these things, um, because it's businesses that we chose to to. To protect that way, it's it's businesses that have benefited from the bill, the 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 amendments that we call the Bill of Rights, um, the uh, all of the amendments that follow that. Even it's businesses that benefit the most from from these things. It's not individuals. It's not the people that they were supposedly de- designed to 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 protect. There's something fundamentally wrong with that, in my perspective. So. Anyway, let's dive back in here and, uh, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, like like <sighs> the idea of like going out and having a relationship with the tree in your backyard is like, what the hell is wrong with you? But yep. in my tree did the fucking family, um, you know, which has all its own problems, that was that was quite fine. And but cool. this one, we're, we're going to take this with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were like, we're going to handpick this one thing and stick it in all of these incredibly horrible politics. But anyway. Um, so I was watching author interviews, uh, because it helps me to comprehend stuff if I read stuff in the author's voice. Yeah. And, uh, so I was watching a interview with her and she said this very, very important thing that really hit me quote, this is the major burden of being displaced from the land. At some point in our ancient ancestral history, I had a people that knew land that had instructions for caring for that land and had rhythms and relationships to the earth and nature. Mm. And that there was no question of belonging. You were of, you had a role. In a million ways we've been displaced from that land. Um, There's more. And those instructions. My people were displaced. Some left on purpose and some were stolen. So now that becomes part of my life, that becomes part of my life is figuring out how do I root into the earth itself? How do I make a direct tether and start listening back for some instruction. And this is, unquote, that was, so that was uh, the author speaking. Um, it's so important to me, even though 
all of my ancestors left their homeland of their own accord, I think. I'm not 100% sure about that. I've been doing a lot of digging, but but more or less of their own accord. Yeah. Um, I have always felt this profound inclination to develop a relationship with an ancestral homeland as a way of self-discovery and healing for myself. Mm. And through that desire, I've also developed really unique relationships with the different kinds of lands that I've lived on. I grew up in Montana initially, which is an alpine desert that's a lot like New Mexico. It's the other side of the Rocky Mountains, but it's very different in its own unique ways. There's very deep thunderstorms in the summer, and there's very specific winds, and the mountains there are quite young, and and the whole place is very blue. And then here, um, this whole place is very orange and very yellow and very strong and very fiery and very feminine in a way that Montana was very masculine. Mm. And I, and what's been really important to me is to allow myself to have these very metaphysical, very esoteric, very um, wishy-washy, hippy-dippy <laughs> languages that I use to relate my personal connection with land because that's authentic, even though it's embarrassing to me because I, I have so much I have so much internalized shame about growing up as a hippie, growing up new age, um, and the like harm that that's done and the the sort of spiritual capitalism that that continues to to like there's all kinds of problems with it. But there yeah. is but there but that doesn't degrade my own profound uh, connection that I have found to Earth. And and why it's so important to me is that there have been, for most of my life, I have been unable to connect to people as a primary source of community, safety, stability. Um, yes. And those basic needs. But there was always, there was always a natural world that held me and held all of me and held everything that was broken and everything that was wrong. And it didn't. And that wasn't, and I wasn't hurting, I don't, I'm not hurting it by bringing my whole self to it. I'm not causing harm to myself or to others. They, they, the natural world is big enough to hold me completely. And that kind of stability is what brought me through my entire life. And I just want to honor that in this conversation. Like the, the immense pleasure yes. that is available through a personal connection with the natural world and a sense of your own place on this earth and your right to exist as an animal on this earth is mind-blowingly profound and has defined my entire life. And I just want to honor the hell out of that because it's amazing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One of the professors that I'm hoping to get to work with um, in the program that I applied to, um, I can't remember which Pueblo uh, her heritage is from, but it, um, like her sense of framing everything from that perspective was just like, oh crap. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's all right there. And I, I touch on it, but I don't mm-hmm. really like swim in it. Um, so well, I, it's a yeah. rich, 
dangerous place uh, for for white fragility, right? Like it, oh, yeah. like let's take a moment and acknowledge that we're on unceded Hewa Navajo land. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you know, we we are in we're white people in colonial America. Like having a relationship with the land here is very dangerous for out for, for us in in um, certain ways. Yeah, and uh, and we need to acknowledge that, and that needs to be part of our relationship and our conversation. So, at the same time that we need to deconstruct, like um, our relationship to male bodies, and and we need to allow feminists to be angry about the penis, that doesn't mean we have to hate our personal connection to the earth. Like, yeah, the fact that I'm on unceded land um, is a very important reality that I need to confront and deal with in the social and structural st- structural and spiritual realities that I exist within. But that doesn't negate the fact that I can also develop a personal and profound relationship with this space at the same time. That yes. relationship is going to be different from somebody who natively belongs to that land. That's a really important thing that I want to highlight, especially yes. coming from a appropriative hippie background, where we, a lot of us think, think that we, since we live on this land, that we now have access yes. to religious traditions that come with this place and no, you don't and chill out and what the fuck is wrong with you. And also like do your own work. It's yeah. so much more, it's so much better for you anyway. It's so you will have so much more benefit in doing your own relationship work with the place that you exist in. Yes, it will be harder because there's more that you have to navigate and that you will fuck up and you will have a hard time, but it will be so much more authentic and real. So I'm going to offer a funny story about that to do it (laughs) as a way of wrapping here. Um, So our own work uh, discovering my, my dad's family's heritage. My mom's family is Pennsylvania Dutch. They're they they've been in Pennsylvania three or 400 years. Now that's not to, that also cannot negate the genocide that preceded that in order for them to be of that land. They were farmers. They were yeah. like very much. Yes. Um, so both and love that. Yes. Um, there's also something really amazing about going back to like, where did my family exist before they were a part of the genocide that we committed here against the indigenous population. Um, and my dad's family is a little easier to trace on that. They're from the Azores. Mm. It was one of the few pleasures in living in Rhode Island was the fact that we had, uh, uh, the, the folks from the Azores primarily landed in two counties in, in this entire country, Santa Clara County, where my dad's family landed. The other was in Rhode Island. Um, huh. and so I got to see people who looked like my grandpa, and it, it was it it would it would shock me how quickly my head would turn when out of the corner of my eye I'm like shit was that grandpa no he like he's been dead for thirty years but oh. but this like visceral notion of whoa and so in talking with well, talking he spoke Portuguese <laughs> I yeah. I still don't know the language at all um, but <laughs> in his broken English he was describing to me oh you're you're of the Tevez. Because uh, that was our name before they changed it to make it white. Um, right. <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, yeah, we know that the, the island. He he was like, well, of course you're smoking meat. That island always smells like this. Because I was smoking meat out yeah. in the yard when we had this conversation. And just this, like, 
you know, I, I, I don't always place a whole lot of credence in some of that stuff, but it also, it, it does evoke wonder for me of what's it like to experience my ancestral homeland and what wisdom does it have to offer me about the land that I do live on and with right now as occupied Tiwa land. Um, that, so I, I don't know, I guess that whole story is just more of a question than anything, but it, like, what, what would it be like to go experience that and to, to walk where my, uh, great, great grandfather was born? Um, you know, yes. that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know what's there, but yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> strap in, <Ritz. laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's so, I think it's so important. I love what you're saying about, um, you know, you grew up in a place where you would see people who looked like your family. Oh, I didn't grow uh, up there. Like, that's what was weird. That's why it was shocking. (laughs) Right, right. You, um, but you had the experience of, uh, of, right. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Um, we're fine. And I, uh, uh, that, that really hit me because my, um, I've never lived in a place where I had extended family. Yeah. Uh, they they're all on they're all in New York they're all in Quebec, um, and then and after doing twenty three and Me they're all in Europe they're all in Northern Europe. Um, I have a shocking amount of Neanderthal ancestry, which I'm as an, a former anthropologist I'm incredibly proud of. Um, hell yeah, hell yeah, because that, that Neanderthalism is, is like oh like you you've been you were you were like located in these areas for. Very person before people were people, and there's something so profoundly exciting about that to be like to find every everybody wants belonging, community rooting in um, in place, mm. and it's so profoundly important to have that so that we can truly experience freedom. And it's I the think the true antidote to whiteness. Yeah, exactly, and and I and I think that. Um, for me personally, like lots of people are able to find real belonging, rooting, and um, real identified existence with wherever they live now, which I, I totally respect and am fine with that. But I'm very aware that I personally need to go on an extended journey to the homeland because mm. of the extent to which I've been cut off from any family legacy to... to which is a mixed bag because my family, you know, we haven't talked about ancestor work at all, which is something that um, has always interested me, but has always been an incredible minefield because what do you do when your ancestors were terrible people? Like, how do you feel, how do you feel excited about um, who you are now looking back into a rooted lineage when there are, when you don't have people you can directly respect there like again i think this is something that i i've had a lot of these conversations with white people where they're like i feel so much shame about who i come from i i have so much discomfort with um my legacies and it unroots you from who you are now and so i i think that to find the places where we can experience joy and belonging and pride and love for our for our these bodies that we exist that that were given to us by generations of human people, whether they were good people or not, is yeah. not necessarily a helpful question 
for us at this point. Um, A helpful question is, what would it take? Like, what would have to happen for that to be a valid way to walk on the earth? Like yeah. that, that's always my question. Like, I, the, the actions of, of I, I, it's writ large today, the actions of cops around race are atrocious in this country. And, right. and I am making a generalization and speaking generalities. But the, the counter question to that is, so how did somebody go from wanting to serve and love their community to shooting an unarmed black 14-year-old kid right? and justifying it? There's a journey there, and it's got some wisdom for us. Absolutely. Like, and I, and I think that's that's always like, because, yeah, that's part of my disconnect with some of my um, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch heritage is there there was abuse back there. Um, and and yeah. my mom paid for it. And, and I paid for it. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, you're very right. Like there was also, there, there were other things there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And there's, oh. and there's, there's wisdom traditions and there yeah. are, there are survivors even, yeah. <laughs> and, and we can all honor the survivors in, in our history. You know, um, there's, it's an like we don't have to be proud of the ways all the ways that they were able to survive but we can be proud of the fact that we exist now because of people who were dedicated to living whether and they did that imperfectly and they often did it atrociously um and but also like we're all challenged to be the gift that they needed to give to the world Yeah, exactly. Like, so how, how do we, um, how can we do the work of, of bringing in a new and better and more beautiful, uh, place? Well, I think our author would say it it will start with pleasure. And I think it will start with pleasure. She's on to something there. (laughs) I think she knows what's up. I think so. All right. Anything else we need to say before we wrap? Oh gosh! Um, like we could go on for, like you said, for five I, days like, on this. God, I have so much I could say, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I won't. Um, uh, I want to thank you so much for inviting me to do this and um, being willing to dive into a book like Pleasure Activism. This is really deep, heavy, hard stuff to do, and I'm so grateful that I was uh, able to come into this space and that it was with you, somebody who I really care about a lot and trust um, to be super cool in this conversation. I, I, I was just reflecting on how I, um, I feel very safe talking about these things with you because I know that you're here to do the work and I incredibly appreciate that with you. Thank you. Um, yeah. That is really hard to hear, actually. So I thank you. I totally and, get it. And thank you for choosing this book. When I sent <laughs> you the pictures of my bookshelf, I was so dreadfully scared. <laughs> there were certain books I'm like, oh, she picks that one. It's going to be work. And uh-huh. and at the same time, thank you for picking this one because you are an embodied individual. As, as tough as this was to read, 
I didn't have to pull the embodiment out of you, which was really good because I was having to pull it out of myself. So like, thank you for choosing this book, for risking this book. And like, yeah, it, your courage is absolutely inspiring. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Oh, I feel the love, Roy. This is so nice. I love you, Katrina. Thank you. I love you too, Thank you. And, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Still, still people. We're still whole. We had a whole lot of hard conversations and we're still here, baby. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to believe. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. On the listen back, as I sat with this ending, I was struck again by Katrina thanking me for for creating a safe space with her. And, and I always say with, because, I mean, she and I acknowledge in, in the course of, of the conversation that, that I'm also her coach. And this is like, that is kind of what I do for a living in, in the coaching bit of, of me, is create safe spaces for people to explore and, and to, to grow and to come more alive. But there's there's this fundamental question that happened for me when I heard that back on the tape. Where are your safe spaces? How do you hold this space, those safe spaces for others? And where do you do your tough work? I, I love that Katrina acknowledges that because it... Our tough work may stem from unsafe places in our lives, but when we're really doing the tough work, it it typically ends up needing to be done in a safe place because we have to be able to experience parts of ourselves that aren't pretty. And yet, to harken back to that previous episode, and yet not label ourselves as monstrous because of it. So I don't know about you, but I think that's important. It's important enough to me that I have a coach and a therapist. <laughs> sometimes I'm working with both, sometimes one, not the other. But uh, I think it's important to have these spaces. How how do you construct them for yourself? How do you hold them for others? It's a question worth asking over and over again. Thank you for hanging in there with, with this conversation, with this book. If you haven't looked at any of the books that we've read, I highly recommend Almost all of them. I think there was one that I read that I'm like, well, I'm glad we're, we're doing this for other people because they won't have to read it. But um, but the vast majority of these books that, that we're reading, God, they're just they're the lifeblood, I think, of of reclaiming our humanity from from a culture in the in the United States that that doesn't want us to have humanity because it can't market humanity. So. Please share this conversation with somebody and look forward to talking with you soon.